1: And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I'm going to go out and limb and say there's a pretty good chance you've never heard the name Jesse Wellens before, but I'm also going to guess you've probably seen one of his YouTube videos over the past decade. In fact, Jesse's YouTube channel has more than 10 million followers, and his videos have been viewed almost 3 billion times. I'll let Jesse explain in our interview how this all happened, but I'll give you a brief synopsis here first. It started back in 2009, when he was fresh out of the military, working as a used car salesman, and he dared his girlfriend, Gina Smith, to eat a spoonful of cinnamon while he videotaped her reaction. The outcome, as you might imagine, was so dramatic that when he posted it online, he ended up winning $200. He soon realized he could make more money posting videos on the internet than he could selling used Cadillacs. As time went on, the couple started regularly pranking each other and eventually started vlogging their lives together, documenting every moment of every day for an audience of millions. While it was incredibly rewarding financially, and it still is, living that lifestyle came with dire consequences. I wanted to sit down with Jesse to understand what it's like to live in front of a camera all that time. If it was all worth it, and who those ten million people are who voraciously watch every single thing he does and others like him. So, without further ado, please meet Jesse Wellens. So, let's back up for the people that don't know who you are and how you kind of got here. Can you kind of give us a lay of the land? You started in the 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 Air Force, is that right?
1: Yep, uh, six years in the Air Force, military police. Um, after my Air Force career, I served two tours in, in the Iraqi Freedom War. After that, I got out honorably. I was going to be a cop, but then decided to sell used Cadillacs in New Jersey, which was the worst idea. Uh, Got fired. Got fired from the used Cadillac. Yeah. For what? Um, Like when the used car industry, you get paid by commission, usually only. And like, it was a late a whole day. I didn't sell anything the whole week. Some new guy sold a car. The management was like, can you stay late and help them deliver the car? I'm like, I don't get paid any extra. No. (laughs) And I clocked out. And then they fired me.
0: So so how does that go? How do you go from used car sales guy to to a YouTube uh, influencer, even though you don't like that word, with 10.2 million followers?
1: Yeah. uh, When I was still in the Air Force, actually, I was dating somebody at the time. Her name was Gina. And I dared her to eat a tablespoon of cinnamon because I used to watch a lot of online video like break.com was a big thing and this was like 2006 and when I was in station korea um, that's the only way I can consume content because we had no tv was the internet and I we, we see these silly videos on this website called break if your video hits the homepage they'll pay you 200 bucks and so I'm stationed now in new jersey i'm still dating the same girl and i dared her to eat a tablespoon of cinnamon i filmed it she choked on it i put it on break.com it hit the homepage and made $200. I was still in the service at this time. I was like, wow, that was a really easy way to make $200. Um, how do I do it again? And uh, I was still in the military. I was driving home. I hit a raccoon on my plastic Scion TC destroyed the front of my car. I was like, damn, it doesn't be like a $400 deductible. I need $400. I don't have it right now. And I told my girlfriend at the time, I was like, maybe you should smash me in the head with a frying pan when I'm not looking. Just don't tell me when you're doing it. Film it. We'll put it on break. Maybe we'll make money. She did it. We went on break. We made money. I was like, holy shit. That was easy. And we just kept going back, doing these little mean things to each other to earn a couple bucks on break.com. Meantime, I got out the service, started selling cars, got fired from selling cars. Then at that time, we had about four videos where we made money. I'm like, you know what? I want to figure out this online video and how I can continue making money. So I went to community college to learn video imaging and
0: production. And and so at this point in time is YouTube, it's 2006. Is is, people watching YouTube yet or is it kind of, it's not, it's not the culture it is today in any way, shape or form, right? No,
1: YouTube was barely a thing at that time. People were uploading, but nobody was earning revenue. But right on, I was like right around that time I was posting to break. I was making money. YouTube opened up this thing called the uh, Partners Project or Partner something, something Partners, where where you could earn revenue. And I just decided instead of doing break only, I would upload to YouTube as well. But I didn't know that break owned the videos that I sold them. So when I started uploading to YouTube and gaining some following, break had my whole YouTube channel taken down the first time. So, which so, was pretty depressing so break actually
0: owned your first cinnamon video yeah
1: they owned my first like five videos
0: and and so the cinnamon challenge
1: became it became a thing yeah right? that was like the first one that went viral like we can almost say we invented the cinnamon challenge
0: and so what hap- what's that like that first time that something that you create becomes this viral sensation around the world
1: yeah it was motivating that's why i was like how do i do it again because it was the first video i put online to go viral the very first one i tried i was like holy shit And, uh, I want to continue to do this. I remember like my family and my, or my brother was like, you're just a flash in the pan. This won't go anywhere. You better concentrate on something else. I'm like, no, no, there's something here. And here I am like 10 million on one channel, 10 million on the other.
0: And so, um, you and your girlfriend start doing pranks, right? Right. And, and, um, how, how does that, how did that work? Were you just like, okay, let's just kind of let's plan these or was it just, were you, were you walking on eggshells every time you came in the house where that your girlfriend was going to hit you in the head with a frying pan? Like how did that? Right.
1: So yeah. So once we moved over to YouTube and started learning about the, uh, the partner program, we started generating an audience of people that, that really wanted to know about us and who we were personally, not just this couple that would torture each other. So we, we created prank first prank, which was the new YouTube channel after a break took down my other one. And uh, we just were like, let's just prank each other. Let's just really go for it. So we would, uh, you know, we could never fall asleep around each other because that show was miserable. Um, and we just went back and forth pranking each other. It got harder as time went on because we almost got to a point where we're like, okay, what are you about to do to me? I know. I feel, I can feel it. Like I can sense something's happening. But we always were like, if we sense it, let's not spoil it. Just let it happen and then react naturally. But we never would plan it because if you'd plan it, they would probably figure us out and know that we were faking it. Because a lot of people did get into that world and got exposed. But uh, we would just we're like, let's just do it because I think it's more authentic, and they could tell. So, so
0: when you are so some of your prank videos have tens of millions of views, right? Um, uh,
1: w- w- was it was it every day that you were doing videos of each other, or yeah? So once we started generating the following with the pranks, we're like, let's. I, I was inspired by a, a friend of mine named Charles Trippy. And uh, Shay Carl. I don't know if you heard of these guys. No, who, who are these Charles Trippi and Shay Carl are the actual originators of the daily vlog. They mm-hmm. were the first guys on YouTube to make a video about themselves every day and post every day. And they were doing that and they were generating this great following. I'm like, wow, that looks fun. People want to know about me and my girlfriend more. And I think we're pretty interesting. So we started doing that. We started making a video not only about pranking, but just about us as a couple we make a video every day and post it online. And so when
0: you start doing that, this is the thing that I'm always so fascinated by. Um, is it, do you feel like at some point you're like, I just don't want people knowing what I'm doing today? Or do you, f- or is it exciting every single day? Is it exhausting? What's, what's it like to, to essentially live your life in public voluntarily in, in that form?
1: Yeah, uh, so we did it for six years. I recently stopped maybe a year and a half ago. But in the beginning, it was easy because not many people were watching. So it wasn't that much pressure. It was like a small community of people watching. It was cool because I felt like I had this online friendship with these people. Um, and as time grew, yeah, it started getting really stressful because it grew. The audience kept growing larger. And there was a lot of pressure. And they're like, wow, now our video has got to be really good. There's a lot of people watching. What are we going to do today? What are we going to film? And and it, it just – it's it's definitely messes with your psychology and your mental health to try and do that every day. So, um, yeah.
0: So, so if you and your girlfriend get in a fight, is that part of the vlog? Do you, I mean, is there no, the- yeah.
1: So yeah, we would keep a lot of things personal. We'd always try and keep it positive. Um, and it was, yeah, it was weird. Maybe we were just in a huge argument and then we had to flip the camera on. And be like, be Hey, what's up, guys? We're going to go hang out today. But really, we're really super pissed at each other about something.
0: And so do you, and does that ever seep into the actual videos or is it, is it something that you nah, always separate?
1: It never seeped into the videos, but it definitely, that affected our relationship. So, so you and your girlfriend eventually broke up, Yeah, right? we broke up. And- I felt like the daily vlogging wasn't a healthy thing for a relationship. So the daily vlogging did contribute to that? I would say so, yes. Because it got to a point where it was like, they love to see me and her together and having fun and doing things. So it was like, am I taking her out on this date because I love her? Or am I taking her out on this date so I know I'd make a good video? And those lines started getting blurred for me, my own self. And it was kind of like fucking with my mental health. I'm like, this isn't healthy.
0: And so did you guys say, okay, well, maybe we should like, stop flogging and continue the relationship or was it just the relationship had been completely broken by, by all the online personality stuff that you'd been doing?
1: Yeah, I think that's, it. we, we talked about stopping and we just, it was weird. We just couldn't do it. And I just felt like we just needed a break from each other. And, uh, and that's what happened. We just, yeah.
0: So when you look at the culture we have today where, you know, it's essentially a selfie culture where we're all kids or you know, constantly filming themselves and and trying to do a lot of what you kind of pioneered folks like you. Do you think it's healthy for society or do you think it's, I mean, do you think that it's something that we shouldn't be doing? I mean, what what are your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't healthy for me doing it, uh, to live my life like that every day. Um, I feel like as a society, people – that watch people like myself are living their life through me, which is could be a good thing. But I think it might hurt them because they're not getting out and living their own life. You know what I mean? They're just like, ah, I'm done school. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch and see what Jesse and Gina are doing today. And I'm going to live my life through that. But instead, you know, now, now we're like living our life through phones, which we should be getting out outside more and putting it down. So I don't know if it's a healthy thing.
0: And if you, you know, if you could go back and do it over, would you?
1: If I could go back, I would change a lot of things. Like, um, yeah. What? Well, that's a good question. Wow. What? I don't know. Because I'm happy now. What would I change? Shit. All
0: the vlogging. Would you have still done that? Or I mean, it, 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 on one hand, it contributed to your success today, right. right? But at the same time, it cost you a relationship. I mean, it was it is that something you would think about
1: doing still or i guess i would have thought about a better way of taking breaks and concentrating more on our relationship and and not so much the internet and pushing it aside cuz i guess we were so deep in it we were in such love with what was happening we were kind of blind to what was happening to our relationship so maybe i would have hopefully tried to step away
0: and so um, you've had other personal things that have happened um, to you in this kind of vlogging thing. Your, your mom uh, committed suicide. How, how was that? I mean, was my mom passed away a couple of years ago and I, I could, you know, I wrote stories where I, I talked about it very briefly, but it was very difficult and I couldn't have imagined doing it in a video context. Is, is that a point in time where you kind of start to question things a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's, that was the breaking point right there is when that happened. I was like, I almost felt like I was more concentrating on the videos than, than spending time with family. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like this sucks. So like, that was the point where I was like, you know what, I'm putting this down. And uh, yeah, it was definitely hard. But like when it happened is like, I just stopped, I just stopped vlogging. I didn't really talk about it in my vlogs. Um, It was just, it sucked. It was like, Life got like my life was so great for the vlogs, but like real shit was going on behind the scenes. So it was like I can't be happy in these videos, but I'm really not. So do you think that that's? I mean, is that fair to the audience? You know, not just from you, but from
0: from uh, you know, if you go and look at at a lot of influences, you know, from that there's such a long list of them. You know, they all look like their days are amazing, and they are um, you know at the beach with a six pack or a bikini and um, and I mean a six back uh not the not the, drink, not the <laughs> right. drinking kind um and uh, and and it the people that watch them kind of as you said earlier, they watch it to because they think they can live their life through them, but the reality is they're all just as screwed up as everyone else right is, do you think that there's there should be more of a responsibility for for people to um to really kind of ex- show what what they're doing rather than this kind of facade of a a happy life?
1: I mean, yeah, I think they should. I'm, it's probably not going to perform as well, and that's why they don't do it. But it would be help to society, so people that are struggling can relate. I mean, some there's some guys out there that do do it. Um, I just don't anymore. I can't just turn on the over happy, over the top stuff anymore for the internet. I'm just real with it, and I, and I think it's been working for me because I have like I'm like my audience kind of grew up. I grew up with them. And uh, yeah, so I definitely don't think it's good for society unless, you know, they show the real, the real, real, the, the real, real. So what, so, so now fast forward to today,
0: um, what do you, what are your videos that you do today? What is it? Is it once a week? Is it every day? What, what's the schedule? How do you decide, you know, what you're going to shoot?
1: Yeah. Um. So like I said, I did a video every day for six years. Uh, I moved here to the Venice beach and. I've been kind of lazy because I really enjoy living at the beach and the culture out here. So I kind of only make videos when I feel like it. So there's no schedule right now. Maybe one a month, two a month, I would hope for. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: I remember as a kid not knowing what to get my dad on Father's Day. Sometimes my sisters and I would buy him chocolates. At other times, something for his car. But what he always really wanted was a new Razor. Well, Father's Day is just around the corner, and dads are still impossible to shop for. I know I am. But you can be sure that if you go to Harry's.com and get your dad a new razor, he'll be incredibly happy. Fortunately, our friends over at Harry's have a special offer for listeners of The Hive around this coming Father's Day. You can get $5 off one of their shave sets, including a limited edition Father's Day version, at harrys.com The Hive. Once again, that's harrys.com The Hive. The sets aren't just practical, they look great too. They arrive in this Classy gray box, and I've been using the razors lately, which are actually really amazing. Harry's limited edition Father's Day set comes with a storm gray razor handle, chrome razor stand, foam gels, three replaceable blades, and a little travel cover. Plus, it's a great, sleek, giftable box with the option to add custom engraving and personalized cards for free. Once again, if you go to harrys.com thehive, you can get all those things for Father's Day. I can promise you, your father will absolutely love them.
1: Recently, I did the Snoop Dogg music video, so that's a little different.
0: So, tell us a little bit about that. That was a that was a huge departure from vlogging to to doing a Snoop Dogg video where yeah. Donald Trump ends up being shot. Uh,
1: he was not shot. He wasn't Secret shot. Service. Okay, he wasn't. You saw it. it was a bang flag.
0: <laughs> how how did that transition happen, and and what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, that was awesome. So, I was at a video game streaming event with Snoop. Uh, my manager Nick also manages Snoop. We were there together. Nick was like, hey, Snoop, Jesse wants to be a director. He's into directing. He's really good. You should maybe consider him to make your make a music video for you. Snoop's just like, for show, for shizzle. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> shit. That was easy. Um, we played the video game together. They wouldn't let him smoke weed on the stream. So the whole time I could see he was just like, if I could smoke, I'd play better and stuff. Anyway, they, we were done playing. I was like, Snoop, let's go smoke one and talk about this video. So we go out to his like, van. We smoke one. Uh, I start pitching him like ideas of what I'm thinking about music videos. I'm like, "Yo, I want to get these dogs from Resident Evil. I want to do some crazy shit with clowns. This, that, and the other." He's like, "Cool, I'll give you a song in an hour." I'm like, "Oh, damn, that was fast."
0: Wait, so he just wrote? He just wrote a song in an hour? No, he was- said
1: he had one. He's like, "I got a song. I'll give it to you today." So the day goes by, I never heard from him. The next day goes by, I never heard from him. And then 4 a.m. one night, he he like texts me a video of himself in the studio rapping this song he's like i know i said i got a song for you but i wanted to make a fresh one for us so he wrote and made a new song for the video i was like holy shit this is at 4 a.m i'm getting a video text from him i'm like oh shit this is happening so i just started getting into production uh this was around the time when they're when donald trump and hillary were running and i thought it was very like you know like the whole political thing was kind of clownery it was kind of funny like it, was, it didn't we like the Donald Trump running for president. We're like, this is crazy at the time. And I'm like, Snoop, do you care if we make fun of like Hillary and Donald together? Like, like they're clowns. Like we like, we don't like either of them as candidates. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm into that. I'm into that. It's just taken a while to produce. Trump actually fucking wins. We didn't think he'd win. I don't think anyone <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> and, and Snoop calls me that day when he wins and we're like, Snoop, he won. What What are we going to do? He's like. I was like, "Do you still want to clown him?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, here we go." I was like, "So I guess we're clowning the president." Um, I wrote out the treatment, the, the shot list, storyboards, and then it included this scene where you know Snoop like, like Ronald Klump is this parody, and he's 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 like a Batman villain, and he's trying to deport, deport all the dogs, and Snoop's a dog, and he shows up to Snoop's house and snoop defends himself by pulling out of a gun and the bang flag like the batman films and he was like cool i'm into that i'm into that that sounds gangster so we made the video uh did you worry at all that the secret service was going to say anything or you just thought it was i didn't think any i didn't even like we were like yo what if donald trump like talks about this we didn't think he would or like no way he's not going to talk about this This It's just a cool video it's got a lot of like underlining meaning with the, you know, the cops killing people and people posting things on the internet and the nudes, the news changing it up. Like that was kind of the, the idea. And I'm like, well, I want to build it. So the news might take this story and flip it. Cause we know they will, with this, with this image, with Snoop holding a gun, Toronto clump, they're going to flip the story and we might get more press on it. Um, And that was the hopes when I made the video, I'm like, this is a way to kind of like clickbait the news and the president. And sure enough, we put it online right-wing media scooped it up and just blasted it as Snoop being this terrible person and and cut it to look like it was this really bad video. But when you watch it, you're like, what? This isn't bad. You know, this is a parody. He didn't even shoot him. He's smoking weed with him at the end. And they did it. They bit it and they, they, they blasted it as being like so negative. Um, everyone's freaking out. Like, I'm getting kind of worried now because all the comments are negative and you're going to jail. I'm like, what the fuck did we do? Oh, my God. Snoop's not talking to me. I'm like, oh, shit. A whole day goes by. I'm like, sick. The next day, uh, Donald Trump tweets about it. So that's when the left wing people were like, what's Donald Trump talk, tweeting about Snoop Dogg for? <laughs> then it blew up. Is this great positive art message. And this isn't crossing the line. And this is freedom of speech. And this is we're me and Snoop are heroes right now. And then it was all positive. And like me and Snoop are finally talking. We're all celebrating. We're like, we're good. Everything's fine. Except the Secret Service wants to talk to us. We're oh, like, no. oh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we chalked it up as a win. Me so Snoop- did the Secret Service come and talk yeah, to you? so me and Snoop talked to the Secret Service together. What were they like? They, well, we, we took them. It was like me and Snoop. I was like, this is historic for me. Because I'm like, I'm with a legend, Snoop Dogg, Secret Service, you know, the sitting president's tweeting about music. I'm like, this is legendary right now. This is kind of cool. Um, I think, like, Snoop's lawyer was really excited. So we all meet, and the Secret Service sits us down, and they were nervous. I'm like, why are the Secret Service so nervous talking? I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Snoop Dogg. They're about to reprimand Snoop Dogg for his art. <laughs> <laughs> so we all sit down, and, and um, they're just like, hey, we don't want you to be worried or scared or think we're coming at you. But it is our duty as a Secret Service, if anything ever arises of any type of thing towards the president, if it's somebody in a bar, if it's somebody on the street saying something, we just, it's protocol for us to follow up. And this is us following up. We're like, cool, we understand. And they're like, what was the meaning? And I'm like, looking at Snoop, Snoop's looking at me, and I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, it's Snoop Dogg, so you should speak first, but it's like, I knew all the meaning and like... He just, you know, I kind of did everything. And I'm just like, and he's about to talk. I'm like, Snoop, can I just take take it? He's like, yeah. So I just broke it down to them. I'm just like, it was like clickbait. We want, it was like the media likes to change things up. And I knew by putting this in here, they would switch it up. And you guys watched the video yet? Yeah? And, like, yeah. and I'm like, is it really that bad? They're like, no. And I was like, it's a parody. Um, he wasn't even shot. And uh, like I broke it down super scientific. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it sounded really smart at the time. And they're like, cool. And then they go, all right, whose idea was it? And I'm looking at Snoop. Snoop's looking at me. And I'm like, Snoop's not going to wrap me out. He's not going to wrap me out. I'm like, okay, it was my idea. (laughs) It was my idea. Collaboratory efforts with Snoop, of course. And they're like, cool. And uh, I mean, they're super cool. And they're just like, we just want to. And then Snoop brought up this question about way of communication with the government so we don't have to lash out like this and and it was it actually turned out to be pretty positive and um and that was it and then did
0: was 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 snoop he wasn't smoking weed in the in oh absolutely no <laughs>
1: uh, snoop is the that's one of the smartest most humble like celebrities i ever met i fucking love snoop dogg and he just thanked me he was like yo thank you we did it because it was like I paid for half the video, he paid for half the video. So no one could tell us not what not to do. Yeah. So we could really flex our artistic abilities. And I'm just like Snoopy Gangster again, because that shit was gangster.
0: That's that's funny. And so did they, the the Secret Service people were were like,
1: Yeah, they were like, We're closing the book on this. We understand. Um, we know you don't pose no threat and you don't want to induce violence on the president because it didn't come off like that. It was it was a short film, it was an artistic piece. It I mean, like what's in name? Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin Yeah, a- she just dropped. Like she crossed the line. We we went to the line and kind of danced around it. She jumped over the line, and like that's. Well, a lot of people are saying
0: she shouldn't have apologized. I mean, she did the video. She should have been like, "Okay, I did. It. It's done." But, but yeah, yeah there's it's uh, people definitely were not so happy about about that. Well,
1: because I guess yeah, I mean, if I would have never apologized for mine because I I felt pretty s- secure on what we did was not crossing the line, and I mean, Trump was only the president for like thirty days when we did it. And, like, one of the things I told the Secret Service, I was like, we're just – it was like a prank. If you guys knew why, I'm a prankster. It was like we were trying to scare the clown out of Donald Trump so he can go run our pre- run our country like he should. Like, and that was, like, the underlining meaning because he wasn't shot.
0: Did you – when when that happened, um, did you call your brother up and see? I told you these videos would amount to something?
1: Yeah. Well, my brother was actually – happened to be in town the day I was shooting with Snoop. I said, hey, come to the set. Meet Snoop Dogg. <laughs> And he was like, what the F? And yeah, I said that. I was like, yo, the Cinnamon Challenge went pretty far, didn't it? And here I am directing Snoop Dogg music video.
0: That's really funny. What did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were a kid in high school and, and whatnot, what was your dream dream job?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Like in high school, in grade school, I was always wanted to be a performer. Like I was uh, always in talent shows, dancing, and I always – I always strive to get attention so I I, I guess I wanted to be almost a, like a celebrity I guess you could say. But um
0: But did you want to be famous for being famous or did you want to be famous for doing something?
1: I guess I wanted to be famous for doing like performances like a, like a rapper or something. Like that's what I kind of would dream about. I never thought it would be a reality. Um But yeah, I never as a kid was like, Oh, I want to grow up and be a cop or I want to go and be a firefighter or something. I never thought like that.
0: And did you, and so now that you're there, there,
1: um, is it all you thought it would be? No. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want, I don't, I learned it like I'm, I enjoy way more being behind the camera. So I don't want it myself to be a famous actor, celebrity personality. I almost want to be an artist. Like that's what I rather like a, a director, but, an artist like, making things and people seeing it and knowing that I made it.
0: So, you know, I mean, I've spent time with Jerome Jarré and mm-hmm. Casey Neistat and all those guys. And, you know, you walk down the street with them and it's like, whoa, the YouTube guys. Um, I'm assuming that
1: happens to you a lot, too? Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's not something I hope to walk outside and people recognize me. Like, I, I almost feel awkward sometimes when people recognize me. I almost feel like, you shouldn't recognize me for this, you know, so far. You know, like, so... um but it's cool i wouldn't change it for anything and so when you kind of so one i it's
0: interesting i um a couple of weeks ago i wrote a story for vanity fair about the uh, fire festival um oh, you yeah. were you, inv- you were involved no. in that right uh, and one of the things that was really frustrating was was that you had this group of i think 90 to a 90 at least 90 people were on the pitch deck but there was 90 influencers and 400 i believe in total um, that we're tweeting, Facebook, sharing stuff on Facebook, inst- mostly Instagram, YouTube, and stuff about this festival, and not saying it was an ad and things like that. And and I wonder, do, I mean, what are your thoughts on 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 this whole concept of of being an influencer and the influence you have and the responsibility? Do you feel like you have a responsibility when you share something about a product or something? Or
1: yeah, I mean, once you share about a product that you don't stand behind. That that you actually like, and you get exposed for it. Anything you promote at this point is, you know, I wouldn't trust that person's opinion. So I always try to keep it like to a point where I'm only talking about things that I actually really like or actually would like to promote. So, do you feel like
0: um, when you look at like these other influences, do you think that there should there should be they should be more responsible with the things that they share? I mean, or do you think there should be? rules i mean this has been going on for for some time and i'm just i'm asking you because this is a culture that you're you're kind of Um, seeped in and i'm just curious what your thoughts are
1: i mean they i mean it's their world if they that's what they want to do i don't really have an opinion on it i just think it it just sucks that it's like that you know um did the fire festival people approach you or no i didn't hear from them but they would have got me because it sounded cool from the pitch deck looks of it, you know. And I would have been like, "Oh, cool! Can I go?" And I'll promote it. Oh man, did they get sued?
0: They're oh my, they're, they're being sued. There's like a class action suit. There, there's uh, um, there's so much stuff going on. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Billy McBride, the guy who who started it, um, I don't think it, things look very pretty for him.
1: <laughs> I mean, I love festivals. Like I love Bernie, Man. So. It kind of like when I was reading the pitch deck and what it looked like, it looked like Bernie Man kind of.
0: I think that the reason there was such backlash to it was because people are somewhat fed up with the kind of influencer culture where you've got, you know, uh, the Kardashians and, and Kendall Jenner and, and folks like that that are constantly sharing things and not saying that, that their sponsorships oh, right. or ads and things like that. And, and there's no responsibility
1: and no repercussions. Yeah. I mean, they're cracking down on that now. I was told, like, you got to disclose the fact if you're being paid. I mean, I promote a lot of things that I'm not being paid for just because I really like them, like the bikes. or like. um, And I started doing that. I started making videos of just promoting a bunch of stuff that I really mess with, and I'm not being paid for it. I'm just trying to give my opinion on things like a makeup guru would do on YouTube or something. So this way, when brands go, oh, my God, Jesse, you make things look really cool, and I want to be one of those cool things in your in your lineup.
0: So what is it um how do you feel about the responsibility of of that? I mean it's got to be kind of amazing to know that you can you can share a single product on a on your YouTube channel and it will change probably change the outcome of that product indefinitely. I mean is there is is there a lot of thought that goes into it? Is it some is there a responsibility you 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 think about or is it exciting what's what's it feel like?
1: Yeah, um like I just did a, a deal with Under Armour where I did some kind of like um, some non-exclusive promotions for Under Armour. And it was awesome because I'm a fan in general of active wear and um, sneakers and Under Armour's approached me. And I was like, hell yeah, like Stephon Curry is like their main guy and I'm sitting there on on – like photos and finish line next to Stephon Curry. And I'm like, I'm just this YouTuber guy. So it was awesome. Um, I was very honored that they asked me to be a part of that. And, you know, like it's they're one of the top active wear brands under armor, Adidas, Nike. So yeah, it was awesome. This is Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: So summer is finally here and that means it's time to get out of the house. But where or oh, where should one go? Well, there's a lot of options out there, and there's an app that's great at both finding them and helping you buy tickets to those events. I'm talking about SeatGeek, which I have on my phone and I've been using constantly as of late, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets online. You can be anywhere with just a few taps of your smartphone screen. You can find tickets to sporting events, concerts, theaters, you name it. The great thing about SeatGeek is that it makes your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time by searching multiple different ticketed sites to compare prices and find great, great deals. It gives you the best bang for your buck by telling you which seats you should get based on how much money you want to spend. And every purchase, this is actually my favorite part, every single purchase is fully guaranteed so that you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek knowing that you're not going to get ripped off by someone on the internet. Best of all, listeners of The Hive are going to get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase today. Just download the Sea Geek app and enter the promo code Hive. That's H I V E, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first Sea Geek purchase. Once again, the Sea Geek app and download it. Put in the words Hive H I V E, and you'll get twenty dollars off. I promise you, you'll love it. It's great, and you can get out of the house and find something fun to do. You've had some uh, some problems with uh, with YouTube. I remember seeing a video where you did where um, you were talking about how they they have these algorithms that they've set up where if you don't share every day, yeah. Um, your your you people, when you do share that, your videos kind of are not given the attention that, that they get when you share on, on a continual basis. What, 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 what was that all about?
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know why all social networks start one way and then end another way. Just like Facebook, just like Instagram. Now, what, what it, do you mean? It's like, you could generate a following on the social network and the social network decides even though that they're following you will you will you end up in their feed and that's based on their their interaction with stuff you've posted in the past you know like it's so so the algorithms favor stuff that they're most active on i guess so but if you post a lot you're more likely to get more activity so for me, when I was doing every day, um, that was good for the YouTube algorithm because the uh, the viewers are coming back every day. And it would just, it would always, it was like clockwork. Um, now that I do it once, maybe a month, all these people that used to follow me aren't being active as much because I'm not doing it every day. It's not showing up in their feeds as much or being recommended as much as it used to be. Um, it's just the the way that that YouTube just they just favor. That's, I
0: mean that that you you know as you said on your videos, it's it's kind of kind of messed up, right? I mean, isn't it? It seems like the the thing that that drove you to stop doing videos as much was the pressure of doing
1: them, but yet the algorithm is pressuring you to do them, right? Right, and that's why everyone does it. Or oh, that's why the successful people right now on YouTube are someone that does it every day, and it's hard because then it's like your content isn't as good as it could be because you're doing it every day. If if I I was spending a week on something, it'd be way better than those seven videos I did for the week. But yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's just like you got to figure out a balance to it to really win on YouTube.
0: So, do you think that when you are you friends with a lot of these other influencers, yeah, or yeah. these vloggers, are all are all the people that are vlogging kind? of – I mean, I know, I know some other folks that that do it that have stopped as much. Are, are a lot of them kind of fed up, not fed up, or exhausted by it. Uh, I mean, like, I can't imagine that it is a healthy thing to do on a
1: continual basis for anyone. Right. Well, my friend Charles, the guy that I said that started the daily vlogging, he's never missed a day. He's been never? never. He has the world record. Ten years straight, and He's does he never miss a day? Does he? Does he still love it? As much I don't sure? know. He says he does, and I think he does. But I wouldn't. I couldn't. That was just so much. It's just. Just think about that every single day of your life. Let me film it, edit it, and post it in the morning. He he had brain cancer. He vlogged his brain cancer because when you have when you have surgery on your brain, you're actually conscious. He was holding the camera up with his head open. He's while he was yes his story is insane and he still has not missed a day to this day he's in a band called we the kings they travel all around he still finds a way to make a video and find some internet somewhere and post it it's insane but it, have, have you ever talked to him about it i mean is all he- the time i'm like charles hang it up bro you need a break <laughs> you need a fucking break man i'm like yo when i did it it was fucking i felt like i like my life changed i was like in a different dimension now like the stress of Of every like at the end of the night, at the end of the night, you're like, all right, I want, I want, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. No, you got to (laughs) edit. You know what I'm saying? And he edits his own videos. He didn't have an editor. He's been editing them.
0: So when you finally quit, it was like
1: the weight of the world off your shoulders. Yeah, it was like, it was like a different life. It was like, whoa. It was just living not my life through a camera and having the the stress of that video having to be edited and posted the next day, or what am I going to do for the video?
0: So let's talk a little bit about about your audience. Who who is it that's watching this? Who's watching? Just to, not to be rude or anything, but right. like a random person yeah. film their life every single no, you're absolutely day. Absolutely
1: right. And when I started, I would I would say it was a lot of kids. I would almost say it was a lot of kids that didn't go outside much and and didn't have a large friendship because I was their friend through the internet. That's, you know,
0: isn't that sad?
1: A little bit. That's what I was saying. Like, I, I would always try and inspire these kids to be like, yo, shut my video off today. Just go out and do something different. You know, I would say that in the videos. And, um, and yeah, so it was a lot of kids, but like kids, we watch TV as kids, and I, I would play lots of video games as a kid. So I could understand as kids, but I started almost 10 years ago. So those kids that were, you know, 13 then are 23 now. Um, and, Like I've seen a lot of YouTubers, you know, fade because they started with the child audience. They grew up, you know, but the audience also grew up, but like their content didn't grow up. So the kid their audience disappeared. So I was like going like, okay, I know that my audience is growing up and they're and they're kind of disappearing, but how do I get this new older audience that I they've always been a fan of mine? So I just tried to grow up my content. So like the Snoop Dogg video or me talking about drugs or like just more mature content is how i was able to stay around for 10 years i think
0: um when you uh I, when you and your girlfriend broke up um i i saw that the comments weren't you know they weren't very happy uh, that it happened um and then when you've gone on dates with other girls and yeah. and uh, and and those women have ended up in the videos uh, the commenters aren't very nice how do you how does that make you feel how do you respond to that and talk, yeah. talk about that a little yeah. for the people that are listening that don't
1: i mean like i started this whole thing with her we built this together the audience knew us not me and her it was always us that's what they loved they loved us not me or her um so i knew when we broke up and i was gonna if i wanted to continue to try to create content on my own they weren't gonna like it as much the people that i built with um, so it just sucks that we were pigeon held to the fact that people only care about us and not me or hers. So I'm, I'm still struggling on how to, how to figure out how to continue to grow on YouTube on my own. But,
0: and, and do you, do you engage with the, do you read the
1: comments? Do you engage yeah. with what they're saying? Do they bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I get it. I get it. I understand. Um, anybody that writes something super negative, I still think is a fan because they, took the time out to go click down there, so type you know, something. So it doesn't bother something. you when no.
0: people write negative stuff?
1: No, I'm pretty – like I said, I did it for six years straight every day, and I could take negative comments at this point.
0: But in the beginning, did it bother you? Uh,
1: did it bother me? You know what? In the beginning, there was no negative because it was so small. Everyone was like, keep going. We love you. Keep going. It was always positive.
0: So, what, and, but, so one of the things I'm always really fascinated by is – is this anonymity online, and what they, and you know, how people uh, say whatever they want without the repercussions, and even the fact that there's a human being on the other side? And maybe it's different for video because they see that there's a human being, um, whereas on Twitter it can be a lot of really mean, vitriolic stuff. Um, have you have? Do you not get that anymore, or have you just learned to deal with it? Or you know, what you know, what what's your advice to people that that do have to have to go through that stuff?
1: The, the meanest comments are the ones that are true. Those are the ones that hurt. <laughs> when they write something negative that's true, you're like, damn it. Those suck. Um, but I don't know. I guess I have a thick skin at this point. And I used to be so wrapped up into the YouTube culture and, and the internet culture to it to affect me. But now that I kind of laid it down and don't let it stress me as much, like, it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't care. I don't really care anymore. This I'm like, I'll put a video up, read the comments for like a, a little bit. Then I'm going outside to Venice, riding my skateboard around the beach, enjoying real life shit. <laughs> and then I, I forget all about it.
0: What do you think the future of, um, vlogging and, uh, and YouTube and, and kind of all this, this culture will be,
1: I think the future of the, the vlog and the daily vlog and the reality style videos is going to, fade like reality tv did i feel like we are losing like when when reality tv was on we loved it until the fact that we were like we found out it was fake like wait these are they're acting this is this is over exaggerated i think that's what's happening in the vlog world right now people are over exaggerating their vlogs and they're faking them at this point um and i think we're we're as as it grows. We're all going to go, all right, this is all exaggerated. It's not fun anymore. We just like the real. I think the next thing is live streaming when people live stream their life people because then you get a really real sense of into somebody's life. And I think that's what made us YouTubers pop in the beginning as vloggers because people are like, they're getting a window into someone's life. That's real. Like this is really their life. But I think that's fading because people now have editors, they have productions behind their vlogs And we're all going to get wise to it. So I think the next step is like, if people really want a real look into someone's life, it's the Truman Show now at this point.
0: And and so what does that entail? Is it live streaming 24 hours a day or is it live streaming? I don't know. I think
1: it's live streaming every day. Like, I think that's going to be the next reality, reality, like really knowing someone's life.
0: Until we can put chips in our head and you get to just look at our thoughts. Put
1: VR goggles on and we are that person.
0: (laughs) Do you think VR will eventually be part of this?
1: Uh, I hope so. I mean, the goggles aren't comfortable and aren't super HD yet, but you know, like technology is on that uprise. So, so,
0: so to just jumping back to that live streaming, do you, um, do you, is that something you're going to do or are you have um, no interest?
1: I have a friend that does it, Andy actually, and, uh, he's killing it on it, but it's stressful. In what way? Because he's doing it every day and he but he does it for like six to eight hours at a time and he'll just keep it on. And those are people commenting on him real time. You know what I mean? Like that could be stressful.
0: So, do you think that? Um, do you think that there's a specific kind of personality that wants to be on the other side of that?
1: The one commenting?
0: No, being live stream live streaming for eight nine hours a day.
1: Is there? A like person- when
0: you say that, I I I cringe at the idea yeah. of a camera on me uh, uh, following. My every move and my coffee and my conversation and my argument with my wife and and me walking the dog and picking up poop and right there's diapers. no hiding it there's no hiding yeah, anything. I, I just and it's and I I like my not my privacy as much as my solitude. Um, is is it a certain type of personality that wants?
1: To... I, I would assume so. Definitely. It's definitely what do you certain... think
0: it
1: is? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's somebody that loves conversation because if you're by yourself. You have x amount of people watching you commenting. You can have a conversation for eight hours with a thousand people or whatever, may be in the chat room. So I would assume it's somebody that loves conversation, that loves to interact with people. I think it takes that type of person. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 pretty crazy. But I think that's that's going to be the next thing.
0: So just to um, to wrap up here, um, uh, if you um, I, I ask people this question. Uh, which I don't think is relevant necessarily for you, but I always say, you know, if you could go back in time 20 years and give your your younger self some advice, what would it be? But maybe if you could go back in time 10 years to when you first started doing all this stuff and give your younger self some advice, what would it be?
1: I would say to not let the YouTube world be conscious of what I'm letting go to do more YouTube, you know, like, time with family and time with with people and not just time with the internet. I would say be conscious of that. Um, I would say buy stock in Google <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Apple um, but as far as the as far as this YouTube culture, would you
0: have told yourself to turn off the camera more or would it have been?
1: I would say I wouldn't say turn off the camera more. I would just say, just be conscious of how much you're giving up, you know. What I'm what time what time I'm spending towards the YouTube work is aside from like family and friends. I would be conscious of that. And and be careful if I'm be blurring the line in my relationship. And am I doing it for my relationship or am I doing it for the videos? Like I would I would be like that. I don't know. That's a tough one because I'm there's been a lot of good as well. So yeah, I don't know.
0: It's a it's a fifty fifty, half good, good yeah. half bad. But it seems like the good has outweighed the bad.
1: A bad 50 50/50. 50/50. Yeah, <laughs> it made me it made me learn a lot about myself. That I really love directing. Um, I found this hobby and this passion. I found a purpose. You know, I would say definitely keep poking at directing too, Jesse, because it was like six years every day making a video. It was like practice. It's like all right. I practice it's time to play the game now where's the film where's the script
0: cool well thank you so much for taking thank the time you. thank you to my guest jesse wellens if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of inside the hive with nick bilton you can find these on apple podcasts google play or any way you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a review while you're there preferably a good one Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work, and thanks to my editors at Vanity Fair, and of course, thanks to my sponsors, Seek Geek and Harry's. Please support them the same way you support this podcast. I'll see you next week.
1: Three, two, one. Political Breakdown is a daily politics podcast from KQED in San Francisco
0: that goes deep into the issues you care about.